This is Binghamton Now on News Radio 1290, WNBF Binghamton and WNBF.com. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WNBF. Good morning on this Friday, February 17th. You're listening to WNBF. Two men and two women who were walking on the shoulder of a roadway in the town of Newark Valley were struck by an SUV. Authorities said three of the pedestrians were pronounced dead at the scene. The fourth person, a 27-year-old Newark Valley woman, was seriously injured. She was transported by helicopter to Upstate University Hospital in Syracuse, where she was reported to be in critical condition. According to the Tioga County Sheriff's Office, the three people who died were Newark Valley residents. They were 66-year-old John Stevens, 52-year-old Doreen Wood, and 25-year-old Curtis Acker. Investigators said a 2017 Hyundai Santa Fe was traveling south on Route 38 when it hit the four pedestrians around 11.20 a.m. Wednesday. The name of the 18-year-old driver of the vehicle was not released by authorities. They said the driver remained on the scene after the crash and has cooperated with the investigation. People who witnessed the crash or anyone who may have seen the black SUV traveling in the area before it struck the pedestrians may contact the Sheriff's Office Criminal Investigations Division at 607-687-1010. The State Police Crash Reconstruction Unit and the Tioga County District Attorney's Office are assisting the Sheriff's Office investigators. People who own businesses in the Binghamton Plaza are worried about the fate of the Northside Shopping Center that opened nearly six decades ago. Several tenants still occupy the West State Street Plaza. The last big store at the site, Kmart, closed its doors in December 2016. The vast empty space where Kmart operated now is being used for storage. Up until a couple of weeks ago, the place was filled with tons of hemp that had been abandoned by a business that had planned to process the stuff. Mayor Jared Cramps had said he wants to use eminent domain to seize the property for back taxes. Property manager John Toka said the plaza owners now have paid the back taxes. He said the buildings at the plaza are structurally sound, although some renovations are needed. Gillespie Realty of New Jersey, the property owners, have come up with redevelopment plans that include the possibility of a veteran center at the site. The project would have involved a partial demolition of an existing portion of the main plaza complex. Toko said representatives of the owners and plaza tenants are planning to attend a meeting at Binghamton City Hall next Tuesday to discuss the future of the property. Small business operators in the plaza are concerned about the mayor's threat to have the place torn down. Tokos on Thursday showed a report, reporter several occupied and vacant spaces throughout the plaza, noting they are in good condition. He noted the two-story executive office building on the north end of the property needs a new roof, but is otherwise in good shape. Tokos said many parents use a child care center located at the plaza. He said many vendors sell items at weekend flea markets, which operate at the complex. Local politicians and state officials gathered in Binghamton's first ward on Thursday morning to announce an open house for the North of Maine Revitalization Affordable Housing Project. The open house will be held by the First Ward Action Council at 43 North Street today from noon to 5 p.m. Binghamton area residents are welcome to view the recently finished affordable housing unit. City of Binghamton Mayor Jared Cram stated a shortage of quality affordable housing across Broome County has left too many of our families living in substandard and unacceptable conditions. In Binghamton, we're choosing to lead on solving this crisis, partnering with developers and organizations like the First Ward Action Council to support the creation of affordable housing. This project builds on the revitalization of the North of Maine neighborhood and transforms several blighted, dangerous properties into safe housing for residents. The open house is part of the $8.4 million North of Maine revitalization project, which is creating 23 units of quality affordable housing across seven sites in the neighborhood north of Main Street in Binghamton. 
The First Ward Action Council is rehabilitating six multifamily buildings and constructing a new four-unit building on a vacant lot on Walnut Street. Jerry Willard, First Ward Action Council Executive Director, said we are pleased to show off one of our just-completed buildings with apartments conveniently close to shopping, services, and jobs in downtown Binghamton. This project is the second major investment in the Noma neighborhood in recent years by the First Ward Action Council, New York State, and the City of Binghamton. Funding for the projects was provided by New York State and the City of Binghamton. Residents who are interested in renting one of the new apartments can contact the First Ward Action Council for more information. On February 9th, Broome County Sheriff's Office deputies responded to a physical injury domestic dispute in the town of Union. The victim reported that her boyfriend, Brian Sanks, age 66 of the town of Union, had attempted to smother her in her sleep, threatened to shoot her with a pistol, and threatened to use a taser baton on her. Brian was taken into custody by deputies, and an extreme risk protection order was subsequently issued. Deputies served the protection order on Brian and located a loaded Smith & Wesson 22 caliber revolver, pistol ammunition, a taser baton, and drug paraphernalia at his residence. The handgun was illegally obtained and possessed by Brian. As a result of the incident and subsequent investigation, Brian Sanks was charged with criminal possession of a weapon in the third degree, criminal possession of a weapon in the fourth degree, and criminal obstruction of breathing or blood circulation. Sanks was arraigned and has remained in custody of the Broome County Sheriff's Office. He's scheduled to answer for his charges this week in Broome County Court. Several employees at a Tesla factory in Buffalo, New York, have been fired after launching union organizing efforts two days ago, according to Tesla Workers United. The group said in a statement on Thursday that workers received an email around 7 p.m. on Wednesday updating them on a new policy that prohibits them from recording workplace meetings without all participants' permission. TWU said the policy violates federal labor law and flouts New York's one-party consent law to record conversations. Pennsylvania Democratic Senator John Fetterman is in Walter Reed National Military Medical Center to seek treatment for clinical depression. His office said Thursday that Fetterman checked himself in Wednesday night. Fetterman continues to struggle with the after-effects of a stroke he suffered last May. His chief of staff, Adam Gentleson, says Fetterman has experienced depression off and on throughout his life, but it became severe in recent weeks. The 53-year-old Fetterman is in his first weeks as a U.S. Senator after winning the seat held by now-retired Republican Pat Toomey. Last week, Fetterman stayed two days in George Washington University, checking himself in after becoming lightheaded. National Weather Service forecast for downtown Binghamton. Today, rain showers before 1 p.m., then a chance of snow showers after 3 p.m. Temperatures falling to around 28 degrees by 5 p.m., chance of rain 90%. Tonight, a chance of snow showers mainly before 1 a.m., Cloudy, then gradually becoming partly cloudy with a low near 17 degrees, a 40% chance of snow. Tomorrow, sunny with a high near 41. Tomorrow night, partly cloudy, a low near 28. And Sunday, cloudy with a high near 45. Sunday night, mostly cloudy, a low near 36 degrees. You're listening to WMBF, where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WMBF, WMBF.com, and 92.1 FM. In living color on NBF. Bob Joseph with you on a uh, Friday morning. Welcome to it. Welcome to my neighborhood. Hope you're uh, enjoying your 
lovely spring-like weather here in the Twin Tiers. It's uh, simply a fantastic day. Fantastic. Coming up today, we'll talk about the issues of concern to Americans everywhere. A distinctly unsatisfying explanation from Joe Biden about the spy balloon and the other UFOs. I uh, must admit, and I think I indicated on Thursday's program, I had some high expectations for what uh, Joe Biden would say to the American people, and unfortunately, my hopes were dashed. I really, really, really had expected to have something fun to work with today. With the spy balloon, the UFOs, and everything else. And I have to say, his brief explanation struck me as uh, lacking. Lacking. But we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Uh, 772-1290 is the number. 607-772-1290. WNBF with Bob Joseph. It's 913 on our Monday morning. Good morning. You're on the air. I'm calling from my bedroom again. John. All right. Whatever you do, John, don't use your last name. I, I request that our listeners remain anonymous because I don't want to be in trouble for violating HIPAA regulations. So we'll say... This is a person who calls himself John, who claims to live in Binghamton. Continue. I forgot about that. Okay, I'm going to... Yeah, I mean, look, I'm subject to HIPAA regulations. That's everybody... Reporters know as soon as HIPAA went into effect. Remember, HIPAA was supposed to cover something very, very narrow for health providers and health institutions and so on. And then suddenly... All sorts of people started started using HIPAA as the all-purpose explanation why they can't, I don't know, explain why there are potholes on Court Street or something. Well, because of HIPAA, you know, it might invade the privacy of the people who fill in potholes or something. Anyway, what's on your mind, John? Uh, well, I'm on the record, Bob, uh, many years ago, several years ago at least, of being opposed to these... Uh, factory conversions of apartments, and I mentioned railroad tracks. Uh, Matt Paulus there has a two-project. This was this is supposed to be a big feather in Jason Garner's cap that this EJ factory that's right adjacent to railroad tracks, uh, you know, is... is Those tracks, are they, are they used by Norfolk Southern Railway, perchance? Uh, they may be. I'm not... I, uh, I think I, they may I be. I'm just, uh, I'm just throwing it out there because recently Norfolk Southern Railway had a high-profile disaster, and uh, it turns out as you look more closely at the company's record over the last year or so, it's, uh, the safety record has left something to be desired, according to some experts. And they, they barrel right through the tier. Uh, and uh, yeah, they, those uh, those box cars are full of goodies going. I guess the Seneca Meadows, uh, among other places. Those are the blue uh, yeah. cars. Yeah. So uh, you know, other than <laughs> being annoyed every uh, 
I don't know. I don't know what the schedule is. I think it's three and three. They they go by three in the afternoon, three in the morning. But uh, I, I question the wisdom of this, and I still question the wisdom of that. And we have this highly paid director of our local emergency management. We up till recently, till one fellow died. I think we were paying for the director and two retired directors of the emergency management. Uh, so one would wonder, uh, since people are now living <clears throat> by the places where they were working at one time, I wonder what the, the tier, Broome County, this great county executive and this great county legislature uh, has planned uh, for an evacuation. Or are we just going to ignore, ignore it? I heard they can't use the uh, event center in Vestal anymore. The event center is now off limits for evacuation use. Well, uh, that's part of our uh, great town and gown community. community yeah, here. isn't it interesting? I thought the uh, event center, last I knew, uh, the event center was actually paid for by Broome County residents, good people like you. Well, uh, and I'm, I'm sick of, of paying for it, and I'm very troubled. You had a gentleman call in that I would follow to Helen Beck, uh, Mr. Vick, and uh, he uh, he uh, echoed something that I have said. This COVID money isn't going to the families of the people or the people themselves that got the disease. It's sort of like if you had a telethon and you said, well, we're taking the money and the kids with uh, muscular dystrophy can go pound salt. Uh, this is this is terrible. And, uh, you know, it's not the first time. It, uh, the tobacco money uh, wasn't spent wisely. It crammed uh, uh, Jeff Cram, the county executive back then. You mean the mayor's dad? Like, the mayor's dad. Yeah, likened it to a lottery win. This is what he said. He said, it's like a lottery win. We can have either a lump sum or take payments. Now, that wasn't true. They, To get the lump sum, they borrowed against the payments. They borrowed against uh, any any official that would call that money a lottery ticket is kind of uh, uh, got a problem in, in, in analyzing things. But anyway, uh, there is a debt now with the Broome County Tobacco Asset Securitization of between 50 and $60 million. It's been refinanced twice. It probably will never be paid. If that that uh, sub uh, sub uh, subsidiary of Broome County uh, goes bust, then it takes the assets that are pledged against it, one of which is the George Harvey Justice Building. So that money... It didn't go to anything constructive. It was frittered away, but worse yet, we're stuck with this huge uh, debt for the interest. So, you know, this American Rescue Funds. Oh, and by the way, I I went by one of those uh, first ward rehabs, and it's interesting uh, in this north of Maine district. There is a Black Lives Matter flag flying, big one. Uh, there is also Biden and Harris uh, campaign posters and, and something else also. So apparently the tenants are allowed uh, to uh, <laughs> put whatever uh, stuff uh, they feel like on the front lawn and uh, in the flagpole. So to those people that you see 
this is all about jamming voters into certain places uh, and uh, so that they can uh, be counted on because now government has provided them uh, not only uh, food stamps, but their housing as well. But I, I thought that was interesting to me. I wouldn't allow a Black Lives Matter flag to fly on in uh, subsidized housing. That's, I don't that's think just... anything can be done about it uh, because of First Amendment issues. I mean, I understand, I certainly appreciate the point you're making, but I also think that anybody who attempted to um, uh, enforce such a restriction, restricting any kind of flag, uh, you know, it's funny, not funny, humorous, but funny, odd, how in some parts of the country where there are those uh, HOAs, homeowner associations, and and sometimes they've uh, had high-profile cases where they try to enforce rules to the effect, well, you can't even fly the American flag. Uh, So it's you open a can of worms when you start attempting to have uh, regulations I do well, understand. No, I understand your point, but I, I think in the end, you'd probably wind up facing some potentially costly litigation. Well, I I think that uh, the only flags, as you said, that should be flying uh, is the American flag. And the New York State flag, of course, because we believe in everything Kathy Hochul stands for. Well, it's too bad that Hillary Clinton didn't didn't stay the course <laughs> and and stay on. We, she she was a gem. And, she, uh, certainly, she certainly we, uh, was uh, an American treasure. Yeah. Well, yeah. she's you know, we we lost her, but on the bright side, Chappaqua, I guess, still has her. I guess. Well, is that true? She and uh, and uh, William they haven't left Chappaqua officially, have they? They're still. No, they, Officially, they're, uh, they're still proud Westchester well, residents, I believe. <laughs> well, it's it's amazing how much money you can make uh, in this field, uh, both on the federal level, on the state level, uh, on the local level. You, you can make a lot of money. You don't work uh, that hard, and, and you, you we don't even get it. You don't even have to perform well. You know, uh, each and each and every year, uh, we seem to be going down. Uh, uh, the ladder of doom, and uh, we're we're now a pretty. F- and people come here, uh, they make money, and uh, then they retire someplace else. So it's 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 sad to see all these bottom feeders in play. But I, I just I, I just want to say this: that the area is under a a, a, a very very bad spell. And unless that spell is broken by honorable people, uh, we're, we're in for it. I, I, we've got legislators, we've got politicians here uh, that are doing crazy things. I know it. You know it. We've seen the proof. But yet, for some reason, they're still allowed to operate. By the way, do you realize, John, that the authorities, when they uh, are conducting investigations into corruption and impropriety, that most of the time authorities do not make any public announcement of ongoing investigations. Do you realize that? Well, uh, here, 
year. That's what yeah. I mean. No, I'm, I'm, all I'm saying is this could be a very interesting year, so I encourage you to stay tuned to WNBF and also keep an eye on WNBF.com. So even though there's been no public announcement of any corruption investigations involving people around here, don't assume that you won't hear some news this year. I, you know, I know a lot of people say, well, if they're conducting any kind of a, a review or investigation and checking into possible criminality or impropriety, of course they would uh, hold a news conference and uh, make a, a big announcement. No, of course they don't. It's very rare. I mean, sometimes well, people people think because, say, for major investigations, federal investigations into really high-profile people on the national political scene, some of those stories wind up leaking to the national media. But the fact is, in places like Binghamton or Elmira or Owego, when investigations are underway, typically, typically those things are not not leak to the news media ahead of time, and then you find out when the indictments are announced. Well, that's that's true. And, and then winding it back up to this railroad track stuff, you know, the village of Johnson City will lose its municipal building <laughs> if uh, if a train is thinking so. I mean, well, that's true. The the, the um, well, <laughs> so the Justice Building, maybe yeah. that's maybe that's one reason why the town of Union is moving its court wait a second no the town of union is going to wind up moving its court from the johnson city justice building near railroad tracks moving it west over to a building that's also near railroad tracks never mind that theory is shot well what is by the way what is the what's the um attraction of locating uh residential buildings and government facilities near railroad tracks is is there some strange reason why why these things are are located in such close proximity to potentially dangerous rail lines well it's it's uh it's it, i mean i've said it on the on the uh, at public hearings on your program there there was no response so i i think in light of ohio i think that these these folks here uh should tell us uh you, you know the mayor of johnson city i guess he was a, a fire guy right Yes, yeah, he was with the Johnson City Fire Department for a long time, veteran. Yeah, so he he should come on. He's a straight shooter. I like the guy. I I appreciate, you know, there there are some mayors, and no need to name names, there are some mayors who don't want to answer questions, and fortunately in Broome County there are some mayors who are always willing to answer questions, and I... I do appreciate those, the, the mayors who are willing to be accessible and willing to talk about uh, a wide array of topics of interest to their constituents. I think those, those are the mayors who are really uh, performing in an outstanding manner. I'm not judging them based on their initiatives or policies, but just on ability to want to uh, connect with their constituents and keep their their constituents fully informed as opposed to some others who would prefer that their constituents not know what's going on well if anybody's got extra time uh take a swing from clinton to jarvis and look at that uh <laughs> overpass uh i mean it's it's unbelievable so i i don't think well what about the overpass near emma street near uh they have that yeah. uh a big uh, nearly 100 unit apartment thing. What what about the Emma Street underpass? That doesn't look particularly uh, healthy. Well, I, I like I say, there's all these community leaders and they have banquets and all kinds of stuff. 
what's the plan? Where's the plan? Can the public see the plan? Uh, if this were to happen uh, tomorrow, uh, uh, where do the people go? What do they do? Who's in charge? Who's in charge? Uh, so, you know, because we're, we're paying for all this stuff. You know, all these uh, uh, buildings have been done at taxpayer expense. So uh, I, I think uh, that anybody that's living in those buildings uh, is taking a bit of a gamble. You know, they're not that nice. Uh, and uh, there's other housing uh, to the south and to the north. So I, I don't think... Uh, uh, that's a wise move to be there. Only time will tell. Thank you, John, from Binghamton. It's 928 at News Radio WNBF. Coming up, talk with Congressman Mark Molinaro about a couple of things. First, though, word about uh, cars and other types of vehicles. We have late word in that uh, cars and other types of vehicles, again, are being sold at Miller Motors. The Miller Auto Team on the Parkway, 4455 Vestal Parkway East, directly across from Binghamton University. And they'll be open this evening till 6 tomorrow from 9 to 4. So if you're looking for a new Honda or a new Hyundai or perhaps uh, recently uh, utilized vehicle, used vehicle. Check out your used vehicle inventory at MillerAutoTeam.com. Stop in, talk with the folks at the Miller Auto Team. Miller Motors, they're there to serve you. They've been there for a long time, and they will be there for a long time to come. So whatever type of vehicle is um, in, your, in your dream, think about it. Dream, a little dream of a new vehicle or a late model used vehicle. Stop by Miller Auto Team on the Parkway in Vestal. They will find just the right vehicle for you or any member of your family. 929 Bob Joseph on WNBF and WNBF.com. It's an Thirty-three. This is Bob Joseph, WNBF 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, streaming at WNBF.com. Joined now by Congressman Mark Molinaro, who held a meeting for constituents last night, a town hall session at the Endwell Fire Station, Country Club Road, a place where I used to try to skate back when I was a little Bob. Morning, Congressman. Good morning. Uh, I thought, though, you'd start the conversation uh, on the fact that I attended the uh, the Philharmonic uh, uh, Mac and Cheese Festival, uh, where uh, I can only tell you, like my children, I, I loved all of the mac and cheese equally. <laughs> I, uh, I commend you for checking that out. Un- unfortunately, I was... I was otherwise occupied, or else I probably would have been there, too. It's, uh, I have to say, with... Whether it's mac and cheese or, say, at the Speedy Fest, things of that nature, or chicken wings, I, I never want to be in a position where I have to judge a competition because, well, it's just, for me, it's virtually impossible. I know what I like, but I, I say around here, even though there are 
a multitude of types of pizza, and there really are no pizzas in Broome County I don't like, and same with, for the most part, with wings and uh, even various mac and cheese recipes. So I'm, I'm glad you had a chance to, uh, to celebrate the, the miracle of mac and cheese. And support the Philharmonic. Absolutely. Uh, I did, however, and I ended my day in a carbs coma, but other than that, we're fine. <laughs> As they say, everything everything in moderation. So tell me about the, the town hall session last night in Endwell. You know, we kicked this off um, uh, 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 earlier in the week. Um, uh, we're holding 11 town hall meetings across the 11 counties in the 19th District, of course. Uh, in Broome County last night, County Executive Garner uh, helped uh, moderate. Very grateful for our partnership and that, uh, uh, and that he was able to uh, to help uh, last night. Good, good conversation. You know, um, there are a lot of issues. Obviously, people are concerned with. I, I would mention uh, last night we we had a considerable uh, dialogue about uh, the, the federal spending, uh, the debts, uh, the debt limit, uh, and really our need. And I and I expressed this. Both um, you know, folks had concerns. They. They don't want America to default on its credit. Uh, they uh, and, and and others, of course, as as I agree, also need the federal government to be more more responsible with your tax money. I was, you know, I was very, um, you know, it, it was it was a good dialogue. Uh, tough questions, great comments, uh, and I think it's all part of the responsibility of a member of Congress or any elected official to be out there in the community. Uh, responding uh, and and ultimately listening to and learning from the people he or she represents. So. Are you willing to to see the federal government shut down at some point uh, as we look forward? I, I don't know what the what the the current estimated date or I didn't say the federal government shut down, but uh, to actually yeah, uh, go yes to it's Friday, so you know I'm already counting it's down okay. the seconds to the weekend. The um, yeah for the the debt ceiling to be uh, met and not not have something uh, in place because you know for that to happen with the uh, United States government would send, a, 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 I think, a powerful message not only to people in this country but around the world. Are, are you willing to let that happen? There, there are um, three, three things I want to be very clear about. Number one, uh, we've all, um, um, Speaker McCarthy, me, and other Republicans like me have said, listen, uh, we are not going to touch Social Security or Medicare. That is, uh, that is a conversation that has to um, occur through bipartisan, bicameral effort. That is, that is not, not going to be... Um, a part of any effort uh, to address debt debt limits. Secondly, um, I recognize and 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 assure folks I know that the severity of America not making good on on debt it's already uh, accumulated. That that is an important acknowledgement. The third, though, is listen. We don't ever whether it's your household, a business, or government. We can't talk about debt outside of also budgets. And so, as I said last night, and I'd say uh, to reassure uh, listeners, you know, if you gave your credit card to your kid and, and he or she ran it all the way up uh, and then, uh, you know, then came home, you'd recognize, of course, you got to pay the credit card bill, uh, but you'd expect your kid to at least uh, change his or her spending habits moving forward. The president initially said he wasn't going to negotiate. He has since um, changed course on that. He is, uh, we are engaged in conversation, the House and the White House. Um, I will tell you, I, I'm working with Republicans and Democrats and several of the groups that I associate with uh, to talk about how we are more responsible moving forward uh, with federal spending. Uh, the good news uh, is that this is uh, several months down the road, uh, and, and so the negotiation is ongoing. Uh, the bad news, it's several months ahead of when, uh, of when Congress only months ago thought we would have to have this conversation, and because of the rate inflation, because of high costs, 
uh, of of living, and because of uh, 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 printing of money and spending what we that what we don't have, that this this issue this, this question is 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 so much uh, uh, you know it's more advanced uh, than than initially expected. But um, rest assured, I understand the severity of America not making good on its debts. I also understand the necessity to address uh, spending moving forward, and and I believe the executive, the president. Uh, needs to come forward with a plan, and that we need to negotiate uh, together uh, to ensure uh, uh, fiscal stability. The uh, spotlighted story, the top story on the front page of yesterday's New York Times was, um, I think, stunning just for the headline. The United States now is on track to add nearly $19 trillion to its national debt over the next decade, $3 trillion more than previously forecast. And that's a stunning number when you think about it. That's not what the debt will be in 2033. That's how much the debt is likely to rise under uh, current circumstances, a $19 trillion increase by 2033. Amazing. You just uh, and the, the the Times article and you just uh, articulated what my concern is and why it's important that uh, we start to rein in federal spending. Uh, we cannot continue to print money that we do not have, and and frankly, it is ex- it is accelerating inflation, not uh, not driving it down. And 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 and, and that inflation uh, is causing uh, the government and you and and average Americans to run up debt. In fact. Uh, uh, an additional story is uh, Americans uh, now have seen an acceleration of their own credit card uh, debt and borrowing because they can't keep pace uh, with the cost of living. Those are the things we have to take seriously. I'm committed to driving down federal spending, uh, demanding more efficiency, uh, and doing that in the context of, of trying to drive down cost for for average uh, families, farmers, and small businesses. Speaking with Congressman Mark Molinaro at 941 on WNBF Radio in Binghamton, NYSEG customers are happy, and I know you've heard from many NYSEG customers here in the southern tier. Um, billing problems have been going on. We, we heard from listeners going back several months ago saying that there were billing problems, and when I contacted NYSEG to get a response, they played the person or maybe a couple people from NYSEG who attempted to respond to my inquiry played dumb and said, well, basically, uh, give us give us the particulars. And they said, well, it was from phone callers. We didn't ask for particulars on a live radio show. So last September, when people were starting to call the, my attention to the uh, enormous billing issues with NYSEG, and I believe their sister utility, Rochester Gas and Electric, the public response, the press response was, huh, essentially, you know, what, what billing problems? Well, now, finally, NYSEG has acknowledged billing problems. They're taking out full-page newspaper ads to make it appear that uh, somehow they're, they're saddened that these billing problems happen. But what's your take on, on what happened over the last several months and where things stand today with NYSEG? Well, my simple message is it's unacceptable and that individual customers need, uh, need answers. They need, um, they, 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 they need errors to be corrected. But more broadly, I, I had this conversation with NYSEG leadership before I became a member of Congress, and I, I warned them uh, that their billing transition, because I saw this with other public utilities in New York, uh, their transition is going to cause chaos. And if they don't 
uh, ensure ac- accuracy in the billing, if they don't engage in the kind of public relations and communications necessary, they're going to harm their c- customers and ultimately harm their own reputation. And here we are. So I've, I've asked uh, leadership at NYSEG to, to, to answer a series of questions. You may have seen the letter we sent. Um, you know, I, I just don't uh, understand why the state of New York uh, and the public uh, 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 and the uh, public service commission here in, in New York, which regulates these entities, consistently allows uh, these kinds of things to occur uh, that that undermine um, uh, and, and and harm uh, customers. So we're going to fight for the people who are. Uh, or, 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 or are facing sticker shock and, 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 and seeing what, what likely are many errors in this billing transition. Uh, we're going to continue to demand that NYSEG and those other uh, public authorities, public utilities that have the same problem, uh, uh, come forward uh, with, uh, with transparency and, and responsiveness to the co- uh, consumers. But I'm also, uh, I, you know, I don't often finger point, but I'm also uh, pointing a finger at the, at the state of New York, uh, the oversight uh, just isn't there, and they've allowed this transition to occur with other public utilities, and it is just causing devastation uh, and harm uh, to people who can't afford it. It's uh, interesting to know another nearby New York utility, uh, Central Hudson Gas uh, and Electric, on Monday announced that they uh, had dismissed their previous CEO and brought in somebody uh, new uh, in the aftermath of their own a billing system debacle. And if if things aren't fixed fast, to your satisfaction, to the satisfaction of NYSEG customers and New York State regulators, you think that uh, it, it, it might be time for new leadership of New York State Electric and Gas and its uh, other utility, RG&E? Well, I don't predispose anything. What I will tell you is that I called for new leadership at Central Hudson because they didn't uh, ultimately respond to the needs of customers. NYSEG and NYSEG leadership today has a responsibility uh, to to respond to their customers, to correct the errors, uh, and to ensure people uh, are not billed incorrectly. Uh, they need to do that, and 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 I will continue to put um, pressure uh, on them and others uh, to meet that expectation. Uh, but I will say, just generally, if leadership is unwilling and leadership is unable, then, of course, at the end of the day, uh, there's going to to be a a need for new leadership. Let's correct the error now. Uh, Let's let's be sure uh, that uh, that they they respond to to customers who who clearly uh, just are are seeing um, billing that is just either inaccurate uh, or or horribly uh, inappropriate. Noted a newspaper ad on Sunday in the Binghamton paper and NYSEG's message to people like me and and others who have had questions about billing is, we are bouncing back from pandemic staffing impacts on our billing and customer service. And it said, we're making progress. And it says, we hear you and we are improving. What do you think about a message like that from NYSEG and RG&E? It's obviously, it's part of a media blitz to try to somehow uh, restore their image. I imagine they must have some sort of a crisis team that's recommending messages like that. Well, first, the people, listen, the average uh, employee is doing the best that they can, and I, I really encourage folks not to take out their frustration uh, with, uh, with you know, the, the, the neighbor who's trying to do their job. But as I, as I said before, I warned them of this. when I Again, I was when I was the county executive, and they uh, serve uh, a portion of my uh, of, my, uh, of the county when I when I was uh, in that role, 
um, uh, I, I said the transition demands upstaffing, it demands coordination of communication, and it demands being entirely transparent. Now, mind you, and I'll respond to what I thought, but but this is this is an obvious uh, a crisis uh, that has that has been created. If they were not in a position to meet uh, the the challenges, then they should have delayed the transition, and that's as simple as that. There, there isn't. You know, if you if you can't meet what you what you clearly expect is going to be chaotic uh, occurrences, right, and, and problems for customers, uh, then you need to uh, reassess whether or not you initiate that transition. That is that is just um, you know I think uh, both short sighted and, and wrong headed, and frankly, uh, they have to catch up and they have to provide uh, accountability to the customers and to the regulators. But again, you know, I, I say this. Um, not not in their defense, but it, it's important. You know, the state of New York regulates these public uh, utilities and consistently is on the wrong end. They wait till all the problems occur, and then they come in after the fact. When proper planning, proper oversight, and proper implementation would save customers a great deal of grief and money. Speaking with Congressman Mark Molinaro, what's the status of your Broome County office at the Metro Center in downtown Binghamton? We are up and running. That is uh, the flagship office for the 19th Congressional District. Our staff is there. did take a couple of weeks for the House administration to finally get our Internet up and running, but that said, uh, phones are working. Staff is there. We've got folks out in the community. Uh, I encourage uh, uh, listeners and residents to reach out anytime. We don't ask you how long you've lived in, in, in the community. We won't ask you what your party affiliation, and, and I don't necessarily – we'll never ask uh, who you voted for. We just want to be able to uh, be responsive. Our job is to simply ask how can we help. Uh, and uh, I hope people will reach out to us. You can find us online as well. Secondary office in Catskill, New York, the other end of this 11-county district. Uh, and then we have, uh, by appointment, offices uh, all throughout the 19th district. So is the Binghamton office on Court Street staffed every weekday? Every weekday you'll find uh, staff there. We've got fo- And we've got uh, folks out uh, from that office in the community uh, meeting with uh, residents, organizations, and attending local events. One other topic, of course, it's been in the news for the last couple of weeks at least, the Chinese spy balloon and then some other UFOs, unidentified objects of some type. What was your takeaway from what President Biden had to say about all this yesterday? Um, well, listen, it's not, it's not sufficient. We've had this uh, conversation over the course of the last couple of weeks. I think the administration needed to be more transparent up front. Um, we also need to make and 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 while I did receive a, a a classified briefing, some of which, of course, I, well, all of which I can't share, but mo- most of which uh, is in the public uh, uh, arena anyway. Um, we, we did not. America did not respond effectively to protecting American airspace and sovereignty when that first surveillance uh, balloon uh, entered into um, uh, entered over American uh, airspace uh, in the Illusion Islands, Alaska. Uh, at the end of the day, uh, we have to make abundantly clear uh, that we will not allow this kind of incursion on American airspace. We need to be strong about that. Um, and frankly, uh, I think there needs to be a greater attention uh, uh, to, uh, to what China and others uh, are attempting to do, which is, uh, quite frankly, uh, to weaken American national security. Congressman Mark Molinaro, thanks for your time. We'll uh, keep in touch with you. Always the best. Uh, happy to be with you. And I'll- talk with you again. Thank you. It's 9.50, Bob Joseph Live on News Radio WNBF. Also available for free on the WNBF app. Make sure it's on all your appropriate devices.
WNBF at 9.53. We don't record this program ahead of time, even though it certainly would be a lot more convenient for me. We do it live every weekday morning. Rain showers now, snow showers later today, with temperatures plunging to about 28 by 5 p.m. Tonight, cloudy, snow showers, low 17, sunny tomorrow, high 41, cloudy Sunday, high 45. Right now, it's 43. The temperature when I woke up this morning was about 56, so we're already taking that plunge. Again, it's 43 in downtown Binghamton, WNBF. Uncle Joseph with the logical show on News Radio. When I was young, it seemed that life was so wonderful. A miracle. Oh, it was beautiful, magical. And all the birds in the trees lay be singing so happily. Oh, joyfully, oh, playfully watching me. But then they sent me. By the way, if you haven't been inside the uh, Binghamton Plaza Kmart lately, I suggest that you check out the WNBF.com video. Yeah, video and pictures. Decided after about six years we should see what the Kmart looks like. It's actually pretty interesting. The place is in pretty good shape. If Kmart wants to move back in, they probably could get the place spiffed up and ready to roll in about two weeks. Uh, very impressed. So take a look at the uh, video and the story at WNBF.com. It's 951 Bob Joseph on WNBF. WNBF Binghamton Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF Good morning on this Friday, February 17th. You're listening to WNBF. Two men and two women who were walking on the shoulder of a roadway in the town of Newark Valley were struck by an SUV. Authorities said three of the pedestrians were pronounced dead at the scene. The fourth person, a 27-year-old Newark Valley woman, was seriously injured. She was transported by helicopter to Upstate University Hospital in Syracuse, where she was reported to be in critical condition. According to the Tioga County Sheriff's Office, the three people who died were Newark Valley residents. They were 66-year-old John Stevens, 52-year-old Doreen Wood, and 25-year-old Curtis Acker. Investigators said a 2017 Hyundai Santa Fe was traveling south on Route 38 when it hit the four pedestrians around 11.20 a.m. Wednesday. The name of the 18-year-old driver of the vehicle was not released by authorities. 
They said the driver remained on the scene after the crash and has cooperated with the investigation. People who witnessed the crash or anyone who may have seen the black SUV traveling in the area before it struck the pedestrians may contact the Sheriff's Office Criminal Investigations Division at 607-687-1010. The State Police Crash Reconstruction Unit and the Tioga County District Attorney's Office are assisting the Sheriff's Office investigators. People who own businesses in the Binghamton Plaza are worried about the fate of the Northside Shopping Center that opened nearly six decades ago. Several tenants still occupy the West State Street Plaza. The last big store at the site, Kmart, closed its doors in December 2016. The vast empty space where Kmart operated now is being used for storage. Up until a couple of weeks ago, the place was filled with tons of hemp that had been abandoned by a business that had planned to process the stuff. Mayor Jared Krams had said he wants to use eminent domain to seize the property for back taxes. Property manager John Toko said the plaza owners now have paid the back taxes. He said the buildings at the plaza are structurally sound, although some renovations are needed. Gillespie Realty of New Jersey, the property owners, have come up with redevelopment plans that include the possibility of a veteran center at the site. The project would have involved a partial demolition of an existing portion of the main plaza complex. Toko said representatives of the owners and plaza tenants are planning to attend a meeting at Binghamton City Hall next Tuesday to discuss the future of the property. Small business operators in the plaza are concerned about the mayor's threat to have the place torn down. Tokos on Thursday showed a report, reporter several occupied and vacant spaces throughout the plaza, noting they are in good condition. He noted the two-story executive office building on the north end of the property needs a new roof, but is otherwise in good shape. Tokos said many parents use a child care center located at the plaza. He said many vendors sell items at weekend flea markets, which operate at the complex. Local politicians and state officials gathered in Binghamton's first ward on Thursday morning to announce an open house for the North of Maine Revitalization Affordable Housing Project. The open house will be held by the First Ward Action Council at 43 North Street today from noon to 5 p.m. Binghamton area residents are welcome to view the recently finished affordable housing unit. City of Binghamton Mayor Jared Cram stated a shortage of quality affordable housing across Broome County has left too many of our families living in substandard and unacceptable conditions. In Binghamton, we're choosing to lead on solving this crisis, partnering with developers and organizations like the First Ward Action Council to support the creation of affordable housing. This project builds on the revitalization of the North of Maine neighborhood and transforms several blighted, dangerous properties into safe housing for residents. The open house is part of the $8.4 million North of Maine revitalization project, which is creating 23 units of quality affordable housing across seven sites in the neighborhood north of Main Street in Binghamton. The First Ward Action Council is rehabilitating six multifamily buildings and constructing a new four-unit building on a vacant lot on Walnut Street. Jerry Willard, First Ward Action Council Executive Director, said we are pleased to show off one of our just-completed buildings with apartments conveniently close to shopping, services, and jobs in downtown Binghamton. This project is the second major investment in the Noma neighborhood in recent years by the First Ward Action Council, New York State, and the City of Binghamton. Funding for the projects was provided by New York State and the City of Binghamton. Residents who are interested in renting one of the new apartments can contact the First Ward Action Council for more information. On February 9th, Broome County Sheriff's Office deputies responded to a physical injury domestic dispute in the town of Union. The victim reported that her boyfriend, Brian Sanks, age 66 of the town of Union, had attempted to smother her in her sleep, threatened to shoot her with a pistol, and threatened to use a taser baton on her. Brian was taken into custody by deputies, and an extreme risk protection order was subsequently issued. Deputies served the protection order on Brian and located a loaded Smith & Wesson 22 caliber revolver, pistol ammunition, a taser baton, and drug paraphernalia at his residence. 
The handgun was illegally obtained and possessed by Brian. As a result of the incident and subsequent investigation, Brian Sanks was charged with criminal possession of a weapon in the third degree, criminal possession of a weapon in the fourth degree, and criminal obstruction of breathing or blood circulation. Sanks was arraigned and has remained in custody of the Broome County Sheriff's Office. He's scheduled to answer for his charges this week in Broome County Court. Several employees at a Tesla factory in Buffalo, New York, have been fired after launching union organizing efforts two days ago, according to Tesla Workers United. The group said in a statement on Thursday that workers received an email around 7 p.m. on Wednesday updating them on a new policy that prohibits them from recording workplace meetings without all participants' permission. TWU said the policy violates federal labor law and flouts New York's one-party consent law to record conversations. Pennsylvania Democratic Senator John Fetterman is in Walter Reed National Military Medical Center to seek treatment for clinical depression. His office said Thursday that Fetterman checked himself in Wednesday night. Fetterman continues to struggle with the after-effects of a stroke he suffered last May. His chief of staff, Adam Gentleson, says Fetterman has experienced depression off and on throughout his life, but it became severe in recent weeks. The 53-year-old Fetterman is in his first weeks as a U.S. Senator after winning the seat held by now-retired Republican Pat Toomey. Last week, Fetterman stayed two days in George Washington University, checking himself in after becoming lightheaded. National Weather Service forecast for downtown Binghamton. Today, rain showers before 1 p.m., then a chance of snow showers after 3 p.m. Temperatures falling to around 28 degrees by 5 p.m., chance of rain 90%. Tonight, a chance of snow showers mainly before 1 a.m., Cloudy, then gradually becoming partly cloudy with a low near 17 degrees, a 40% chance of snow. Tomorrow, sunny with a high near 41. Tomorrow night, partly cloudy, a low near 28. And Sunday, cloudy with a high near 45. Sunday night, mostly cloudy, a low near 36 degrees. You're listening to WMBF, where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WMBF, WMBF.com, and 92.1 FM. This is it, the real program, the real live local program. Bob Joseph, Friday morning at News Radio, WNBF and WNBF.com. Come to decide that the things that I tried were in my life just to get high on. When I sit alone, come get a little known, but I need more than myself this time. Step from the road to the sea to the sky, and I do believe that we rely on. When I lay it on, come get to play it on. All are welcome to attend our little uh, meeting of the minds. Even if we disagree, we can hear each other, and we do, every weekday morning from 9 to noon here on WNBF. Sort of a public service. Sort of a public service. 10-12. Stay tuned. It's going to be really interesting. Very sentimental to me. She 
at WNBF, where we do aim to please as much as possible. And when it seems appropriate, if you have uh, any concerns about things going on around here, uh, this is probably the best place to express them because <laughs> you try calling a business or a government agency, the odds of actually having the phone call answered by a real person are slim and none. And even if you do leave a message, say on the voicemail, especially the, the great voicemails, the messages, the outgoing message includes words to the effect, thanks for calling. Your call is important to me. At that point, <laughs> at that point, you know, you have lost the battle. So, you know, if you get encounter a message like that, thanks for calling. Your call is important to me. At that point, just hang up and call me at 607-772-1290 because your call is important enough to me for me to actually answer it in person. Like this one. Hi, WNBF. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Hello, Bob. Good morning. It's Gary from the West Side. Your call is important to me. Okay. I wanted to talk about uh, Fox News reporters and what's going on with them. The report that uh, they weren't giving the correct information out, What at least what they felt was the correct information. They're, they're in, they're in, of course I've seen it, and uh, yeah. some of those conversations are damning. Um, you know, it's it's one. Of, this is a tough story for me. I I have mixed feelings. I'm ambivalent about what's going on because potentially uh, a legal action of this nature by the Dominion Voting Machine Company could have a, a profound impact, perhaps on on the First Amendment and freedom of the press. But on the other hand, some of the um, messages that have been unearthed as part of this uh, litigation are pretty pretty concerning about what Tucker Carlson and John Hannity and, and the rest, what they all really thought about some of the guests they were having on, but they had them on anyway to spew their outrageous lies. Yeah, so I don't know, is that a uh, conflict of interest when you don't believe in what the person, you know, their ideas, but, you know, your network tells you that you must have them on and let them say what they have to say? I mean. Right, as a reporter, you really don't uh, have a choice, do you? Well, the I mean, producer and the network, or I don't know how it works. Well, in the end, you have a choice. If if you don't like it, you can leave. Yeah. I will say this. Well, uh, I mean, fortunately, I've never been in that position where my employer has suggested I put guests on who were knowingly. Uh, at odds with the truth. And, and in fact, my employer doesn't tell me what to do with guests and topics on this program. My employer allows me to use my uh, experience and professionalism to choose which guests to have on and which topics to cover. And I think that's probably a pretty wise move. But obviously, WNBF is not Fox News. And, and certainly the people at Fox News have uh, more important concerns like making lots of money. Yeah, and, you know, it's like the trust now in news is even going to get taken down a little bit more. You know, it's tough. I don't know if it could be taken down anymore. They're, all, they're well, already. It can be. Well, I suppose. I suppose the, I suppose the, um, 
the um, believability of the media in general could still take another hit because of this, which is sad. Um, it is. And, and what, what I've pointed out before, over the period of the last few decades, there have been all sorts of um, very sad, very unpleasant, and very... Uh, serious revelations about a lot of news organizations, not just Fox, but the New York Times and the Washington Post and CBS News. And so, in fairness to people who really, really, really don't trust the media, in, in some cases you could say, well, you, you, have, you have several high-profile examples to indicate why maybe you shouldn't trust the media. But, but it's true with the revelations that um, are coming out with the Dominion Voting Systems case. Um, it's, it is disturbing to see, you know, I would think people like Hannity and Carlson and some of the members of their little team, you would think because they're prominent and powerful and popular enough that they, they would be able to say, to their uh, producers or the executives who are basically encouraging them to have have untruthful guests on their programs, you'd think they would be in a position to say, hey, that's not right, and I won't do it. I mean, I would think Hannity, of all people, and Tucker Carlson, of all people, those two alone are the most powerful names in show business, so they should be able to tell the, the puppet masters at Fox News... Let's just call it Fox Cable. At Fox Cable, that no, we we know what you're trying to do here, and we won't go along. We want to preserve what little is left of our reputations. Boy, that's a stretch for those guys, though. You know, I mean, because they've been spewing it for as long as it's been going on. Well, they've been right? spewing so it's hard to reverse that. Well, they've been spewing lots and lots of strong opinions and partisan opinions, and certainly during Trump's first presidential campaign and his reelection campaign, it was clear that uh, people like Hannity and Carlson were almost members of of Trump's campaign committee for all the all the great things they said about him and all the negative things they said about his opponents. Uh, I mean, that's one thing. But to have a bunch of guests on following an election, following the 2020 presidential election, with a bunch of guests who would continue to lie about the election being stolen when those hosts and others at Fox News knew full well that what they were saying was, was completely false, you know, that... That's a different. That's a different situation. It's one thing for these guys to be as partisan as they all are on their TV and radio programs, but to put uh, people who are clearly lying on time and time again when they knew better. You know, that's unfortunately. I think that's uh, that's a dangerous thing, and I I think there's a possibility that Fox News may lose a lot of money here. Yeah, well, I think they picked on the wrong. First, people to pick on Dominion, right? They well, you never know. You know, they they probably true. You never know. My my guess. Why am I throwing pens around here? Um, sorry, I was throwing a pen around here in the studio. I guess I guess I should chew you gum want or something. To. That's why you threw it. Okay, let me do one more. 
that one wasn't as good. Anyway, my guess is they, they probably thought the Dominion voting systems outfit didn't have much money and much of an inclination to ever sue them, so they probably figured that they could have these guests on with impunity and nobody would ever take them to task. I wonder if you're a Trump supporter and you hear this, but you probably wouldn't read this article because it's it would be against what you stand for, right? So you probably wouldn't even read it. That's the sense I get with most people who follow Trump. They don't want to hear anything negative against him, so they won't read it because it's just all made-up lies. And this, too, they'll spin it somehow, so it's just made-up stuff that somehow, you know, was on Hunter Biden's laptop, and this is where it all came about. I just don't understand, you know, like, if you believe in that, and then this information comes out, do you still believe in it? Do you still believe that the election was stolen? I don't know. Of course they do. Of course. Nothing is going to change their position, and they're inconsolable. And to your point about would they read a story like this with the latest revelations, most won't because it it upsets their worldview. But they're not alone. A lot of people, regardless of of your worldview or or your politics, a lot of people select the stories that support their positions and their candidates. Human nature. It is. Correct. You know, what, what we want... And it's not just from the news, but from other people we know, from our friends, our relatives, our colleagues, our boss. What we always want, most of all, is affirmation. We want to be told time and time again that you're doing well, we love you, and you are the best. And And you won't kind of. Is that along the same lines or no? I mean, don't you want to belong? Yes. To something? Yes, you do. Yeah. And, and yeah. you know, and by the so it's not limited to people who support the one candidate. I, I think this no. is true of, is, I, I know a lot of people who support a lot of different candidates, whether for national office or state or local office, and, and part of the... Um, of, of what's involved there is, yes, belonging to an organization or a club of like-minded people, and and it gives, there's this sense that there's strength in numbers. It's when the, the people who uh, assert that there's no way Joe Biden could have won the election, because how, how could he possibly have, have uh, managed to get seven million more votes than their guy? And and yeah, at the end it, of the day, right? Yeah. That was the whole thing. Yeah, well, that's I went to bed. Trump was winning, right? And they well, didn't realize how and, votes and, are counted. And that's the thing. It's it's but. not as though votes were counted differently in 2020. It's the way votes have always been counted from the the start of the uh, of this great country for over two centuries. The results of a presidential election have never been official by midnight Eastern time. And they never will oh. be. They can't be. Right. So, you know, just, you know, get get that that truth through your head because in 2024, it's probably going to happen again. It may also be another very, very close race. Personally, I hope it is because I'm in the media and I enjoy, I enjoy local or state or national races when they're undecided, not just at midnight on election night, even days later. I mean, in a, in sort of a perverse way, the um, New York 22 race 
there where, where it took weeks and weeks and weeks before that election was certified on, on a certain level. I enjoyed it as a reporter and a talk show host because we enjoyed the uncertainty. Now, certainly the candidates didn't like it, and most of their supporters and their campaign people were not pleased. And certainly the people who were at the boards of election of the counties involved didn't like that it dragged on. But, you know, from a journalism standpoint, it was the sort of spectacle that you don't see all the time. And that's, therefore, that's news. You know, most of our elections, even some that are close and fairly contentious, most of them are are decided ultimately fairly fast and then certified in a normal fashion but hey next year we we have to watch out and i'm i'm telling you if if steps aren't taken i'm not sure what steps can be taken but if certain steps aren't taken we're going to have another insurrection in january 2025 because some people won't like the results and it may not, maybe the tables will be turned maybe it would be um, supporters of the Democratic candidate who would be upset in January 2025 and demanding that Congress not certify the outcome. I, I mean, I, well, I doubt it too, but, right, but hey, look, there, right. well, there's precedent. And then if the tables were turned, I'd like to hear, I'd like to hear how the people who still think that January 6, 2021 was was some, something kind of to be celebrated in a sick way. Um, if that happened, I'd, I'd love to hear them on the, on the program explain, huh, well, these supporters of AOC, they're really mad and they're holding an insurrection and they're bad. Yeah, and Bernie Sanders. <laughs> or, yeah, Bernie Sanders. <laughs> yeah, right. be a, wouldn't that be a great <laughs> ticket? Bernie? No, AOC, AOC <laughs> oh, for Bernie. president, and Bernie Sanders oh, for vice God. president. Now, that that would be talk no. show gold. <laughs> no, you got to have Gavin Newsom in there somewhere. I mean, he's got to be thrown in. And his former wife. You know, one thing about politics, Bob, is I don't take that as a hobby. I, I put politics in the background because, you know, it does, so let's say you pick one side and you – like them, right? Okay, and your guy wins. Hey, that's great, but you're never going to be happy because the other side, all they do is they pick on all the bad things that he's doing wrong and how he should have not gotten in there. And then if your guy loses, you're bummed out because your guy lost. And, you know, here's the other side. They're up front, and you just can't stand what they're doing. You can never be happy if you're if you're into politics as a hobby. That's just my view, you know? I don't know if that made any sense. but I, I hear you. We'll see what happens. It's we, we live in interesting times, and I love it. Yes, we do. Take care, Bob. Have a good weekend. Thank you. 1029 at News Radio, WNBF. Good morning, you're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? This is Eric from Manuel. Hey, Eric. I sent you an email of a letter that was sent in the backpacks of school yesterday. Yeah, that's quite the letter. Well... I don't have it in front of me because I had to get on the road. Uh, you're on speakerphone, by the way. I'm driving safe. Uh, can you tell the uh, listeners what the title of this group is that was uh, sent home? I I certainly can. Please do, because I don't have it in front of me, like I said. All right. Um, by the way, for your information... <laughs> I, I am working to have uh, Maine Endwell School Superintendent Jason Van Fossen call in. I'm told he's 
tied up right now, but he might be available next hour. So I have uh, invited Superintendent Van Fossen to come on the program next hour. So hopefully he'll um, have five minutes to uh, call to explain the school district's position on this. Well, supposedly it's just a group that uh, I don't know who put the letters in the backpack, but everyone's up in arms. And uh, I mean, if you can't celebrate Easter and Christmas, then why are you allowed to celebrate uh, going to meetings at an elementary school? Well, I know a lot of people in Maine and well are, are asking that question. I've heard from a bunch of people who uh, are taking a real dim view at at what that that message what that message contained well it's also funny that i got put in the backpacks on thursday of a long weekend i mean now i mean are they trying to let it rest until tuesday well i think they knew that it it was going to blow up this is not unique to maine and well this has happened el- this has happened elsewhere around the country so the um the administration at the Maine Endwell School District had had to know that no matter when this came out, whether it was Thursday afternoon or Sunday morning at at two o'clock, no matter when it came out, there was going to be uh, a big reaction. Well, I hope Jason Van Fossen calls your show, and uh, if you have him on the air, I mean, now there's a new thing with the pronouns. Now, my son's name is Eric, and I don't think he needs to tell anybody that. He's a he or a him, because his name is Eric. So there's no problem with me. Uh, you see me on the street, but you know what I look like. You already know I'm a he and a him. I, I shouldn't have to tell you what my pronoun is. So this school just is really ticking me off. All right. Well, stay tuned. As I say, I, I hope Jason Van Fossen is able to join us. I I think he's going to be able to. I have, haven't been able to speak to him directly because he's in a meeting now who knows he might be having a, a meeting about this very thing but uh i'm told that after 11 he uh, is expected to be available and i i do have a strong sense he he will call in at some point before noon well what about your listeners they don't know what we're talking about well mo or no it's true most of them don't uh, some do uh coming up in a minute i will read portions of of that letter that was uh, sent home with with the kids. Was that only for kids at at the Homer Brink School? That I know of. I'm not sure um, if, how far it went. I do know that it was the Homer Brink children that had them yesterday. I don't know if the middle school or high school got them. Okay. Yeah, I'll uh, read portions of of that note uh, coming right up, so people know what the uh, the concerns are about. I appreciate your time, Bob. You're always the first one to answer my calls and stuff like this. That's what I strive to do. Hope you have a good weekend. You too. Enjoy. 1033, Bob Joseph serving the public and always asking a few questions because, in my view, you can never have enough information. You're listening to News Radio, WNBF, 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, and streaming at WNBF.com. Uncle Sam. One radio show, show around here is actually bold enough 
not to voice track, not to record it ahead of time, and not to do it with uh, pre-approved scripts and no agenda. And you're listening to that show. It's just live. Please allow me to introduce myself. I'm a man of wealth and taste. I've been around for a long, long year. Stole many a man's soul of faith. It's 1037 WNBF Live with Bob Joseph. Always prepared for something new. And, and as always... 607-772-1290 because your call is important to me. Not the other person's call. Your call is important. So uh, this was sent home with some of the kids apparently at Homer Brink School. I have a special love for Homer Brink School. That's where my public school education all began. And uh, basically, by the way, that was a few years ago, but it's still a lovely school. So the... Um, message is and this is always interesting because parents are always getting messages from school so they must have really enjoyed this one yesterday afternoon greetings parents okay so far so good the satanic temple and reason alliance are excited to provide the opportunity for children from homer brink elementary school to participate in after school satan club the satanic temple is a non-theistic religion and is officially recognized by the united states internal revenue service as a church the after school satan club is taught by volunteer teachers who live in the community have passed extensive criminal background checks and are looking forward to engaging your children in a variety of functions oh no a variety of fun activities centered around the seven fundamental tenets after school satan club will be held weekly on thursday afternoons at homer brink elementary school from school dismissal until 4:35 p.m. in the gym, it all starts March 20th or March 16th. So, it says you can sign up your kid, and uh, also provide um, the permission form to uh, have your kid take part in the upcoming meetings, gatherings of After School Satan Club at Homer Brink. So there. Now, obviously, a lot of people are talking about it. I've heard from a lot of people since yesterday afternoon. And, of course, I'm sure the Maine Endwell School District superintendent and even members of the Board of Education have heard from a few people. So there. Um, and as I said, the... Uh, Superintendent is busy right now, but I'm told that he may have some time next hour. So they said he, he was already booked up with lots of interviews, but I also said, well, this program's on live, and so that way he would be able to reach some people live in real time if he called into this program. So hopefully we will hear from Jason Van Fossen about the After School Satan Club. At Homer Brink. WNBF, you're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Hmm, sorry, the devil's in the details. Okay, WNBF, you're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? DJ from Binghamton, leader of the Spiritaneous Club. How are you doing this morning, Bob? Never better. Loving life. So here's the question for you and all the 
Hello, many, many, many listeners listening to my voice, DJ from Binghamton. I've always tried to be a voice for the people and keep it, you know, not religion, but faith. But are you surprised is the question that this is happening because they took prayer and Bible out of the schools in what was it, 60, 61, before some of us came into the world? You guys are surprised. That there's, that you're, it, it is, it's shy, I'd be shocked to get a letter from a school saying, join our Satan club, every children join. But you know what? Don't be surprised. Defund these meat market schools. They're hookup joints for young women and men to hook up and have abortions. Simple as that. All right. All right. Let's see what other people have to say. Again, the uh, organization After School Satan Club, Homer Brink Elementary School, uh, it's apparently the newest club at Homer Brink. They didn't have, when I went to Homer Brink back in the day, they did not have after-school Satan Club. Morning, WNBF. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Oh, I'm on the air? I'm afraid you are. Oh, goody. I have one question. Maybe two. But the first question is like a part A and part B. Do they still tar and feather people, and do they still ride people out on a rail after they tar and feather them? No. That's too bad. I'm just going to look up, uh, I had my dictionary in hand to look up the word Satan to see if there's any good meaning involved with it. Uh, and I don't know if you want to wait, but you have a computer. No, that's okay. Every, everybody everybody can look it up in their own Dictionary. Yeah, well, I'm I'm going to look it up now just to see what the heck it says. All right. But, so, uh, what's anyway. what's your take? They they should uh, tell tell the after school Satan Club that they can't meet at the Tar school gym. I think Feather answers the question. Tar and Feather and write them out of town on a rail. It says they're going to have well, they're they're going to be meeting in the school gym. The first meeting is March 16th. I can't wait. All right. It's 10:43. WNBF. Uh, the after school Satan Club. This is uh, a note that apparently was put out by someone from the Satanic Temple. doesn't say where they're from. I mean, I did some research. I know where they're from, but it doesn't say on the letter. So the first thing I say, if you're going to send out a note like this to parents, introducing yourself, the Satanic Temple After School Satan Club, I think you should put your phone number and also where you're at. It doesn't say. So there's no listing. You know, if you have your after-school Satan Club, why don't you announce that your headquarters, you have your headquarters on State Street in Binghamton or whatever, Lindale Drive and Endwell, whatever. Come on, man. Be transparent. If you're running a Satan Club, especially after school, let people know more about you and also give them a phone number they can call if they have questions. Because your call would be important to them. Hi, WNBF. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Pete, formerly of Estel. Hey, what's up? The Satan Club. Let me turn the radio down in a second. Um, we are live? We're live on the radio here in Binghamton. Okay. All right. Hold on. Let me go to the phone. And then I'm going to read something to you, if I can get it. One should strive to act with compassion and empathy towards all creatures in accordance with reason. The struggle for justice is an ongoing necessary pursuit that should prevail over laws. One's body is inviolable and subject to one's own will. Are these bad things? 
I am not a person to judge. Who am I to judge? Yeah, no, they're not, Bob. You know, people are fallible. If one makes a mistake, one should do one to rectify it and resolve any harm that might have been caused. They're really good values. All right. And that's what that and that's what that Satan Club is pushing. That's their belief. That's All right. Well, if the Satan if the Satan Club, Club is pushing uh, strong, wholesome yes. values, I think I think that's something for parents to consider. Yeah, I, I think they they should. They're using that Satan word, and it's just a word that it is. They're not worshiping Satan. They're not believing in Satan. I don't think is what it is about. No, Pete. But between you and me. I think it's a gimmick. I think it's a gimmick so they can get attention because if they called it, we we want to instill good, high-quality values in your kids, they would get zero attention on, on radio or action news. It's absolutely a gimmick. I mean, it's not, they're not instilling bad things. If people heard the word Satan and all flipping out over it, and stop and take a look and listen and read about it first before you go nuts. I did it first, and then I looked it up last night, and I'm like, they're not bad people. They're not doing they're not, they're not like some of the other groups that I see out there, the BLM groups that are instilling violence into people. Not like that. They're not, yeah, they're not worshiping the devil. Yeah. No, it's, so, it's interesting. And, and as, as I said, probably next hour, the Maine Endwell School Superintendent, Jason Van Fossen, will have a chance to call in and, and also put it into context. Because for one thing, when it comes to school districts and issues like this, it's... It's a very difficult balancing act for school administrators. Well, I mean, people are screaming, kick them out, throw them to the door. Then you have to throw out all the other groups, too. And that's the thing. If you like that group, you can't, you can't discriminate, Bob. Yep. And that's the thing with, with our country, with whether it's allowing uh, different groups to meet in public places, at schools or other places, or even freedom of expression. You know, a lot of people say they, they, they love freedom of speech and freedom of expression in this country and then some other group comes along that's different than them and they say except for that i don't like that that sign or that uh, symbolism so they should not be allowed but my my signs and symbolism should be permitted exactly and see this is a problem i see what's happening in this country people say i can say what i want but if you say something against me you're wrong you can't do that and i see a lot of leftist liberals saying that way and acting that way you can't say what you want to feel because this is how I feel. Well, they disagree with you, and they're going to shut you down. And well, sometimes people are so overly sensitive. That's what I find. In 2023, it seems that some people are so highly sensitive that if they hear something that they don't agree with, that, that they want to curl and, and turn the radio off. They get triggered, Bob. Bob, they're triggered. Oh, my Lord. Oh, no, I'm triggered. Yeah, don't worry. Wor- words and opinions can't hurt you. Yeah. Words and opinions will set you free. Yes. It, 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 these people don't realize how discriminatory they're being by saying they have to kick this out of there without realizing they have to kick them all out then. You're so, people are being stupid about it. Sorry. Yeah. No, I appreciate your call. Thank you, Pete. Okay. Bye. And it's 1048. Bob Joseph live. This is the land of the free, the home of the brave, and most importantly... The Voice of the People on WNBF. This is your program, 607-772-1290. You don't even need to know my name. I won't even tell you my name going into break, because you don't need to know. I'm simply your facilitator on News Radio WNBF.
1053. Bob Joseph live on a Friday morning. Thanks for the phones we go. Hi, you're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Good morning, Bob. Dave from Vestal. Little little Cliff Richard there, huh? You're playing. <laughs> There's an oldie. From the um, back of the rack. Yeah, yeah. Um, hey, Bob, being an Emmy grad, you know, <laughs> I'm kind of disappointed. You know, I'm not surprised, but, but, but I am disappointed. Uh, shouldn't be on school grounds. They want to have groups like this, fine. But do it off school grounds. I, I think they do it there because there's already a gathering of kids. If they had it some other public area where where you had to actually bring your kids there, they probably wouldn't get the amount that they would like. So I think that's one of the reasons. Um, but besides that, Bob, I want to go back to your and Gary's conversation. Um, because voting machines are proven, these dominions, because they're proven not to have cheated, does not mean the election was not stolen. There's many ways to cheat. I mean, we saw with our own eyes. Yes, we still... Yeah, but everything they said on, on the TV, Fox, uh, they used to call it Fox News. I call it the Fox Entertainment Show, uh, FES, yeah. Fox Entertainment Show. So the stuff right. that they said to entertain their loyal subjects, the, the sad thing, the stuff they said about Dominion voting systems was provably wrong. Right, and you were speaking like, well, that that does it. That proves it. Proves it wasn't stolen. I didn't say. I didn't say that. No, I said one thing. Do not, do not expand on something I said. Let me repeat for you, David. David, okay. listen carefully, okay. David. Okay. So here's the thing. What. What uh, John Hannity and Tucker Carlson and that whole boatload of um, entertainers from 8 to 11 on the Fox Entertainment Show, what, what they did was have people on night after night after night spewing falsehoods about a company, about Dominion voting systems. Now, most people... Most people, including me, had never heard of Dominion voting systems until people like Hannity and Carlson and his merry band of uh, liars, or at least uh, the enablers of liars, uh, had them on, on their shows. So Dominion was a neutral thing to me. Then I found out all these lies about the company, and then I started to think more poorly about them until I found out the real truth, that it's a great company that makes great voting machines. Again, I'm not talking about the rest of the election. I'm talking about the lying liars and the people who enable them. And that's just wrong. Right. Well, okay. Well, there. Here, that's. I, yeah. Hey, I have. As far as uh, the election being stolen, uh, that's old. That's water under the bridge. Right now, we're looking forward to an exciting, and entertaining, and fulfilling 2024 presidential campaign. So let's constantly look forward instead of always relitigating the past. Right here, on WNBF. Funny. WNBF. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. Good morning on this Friday, February 17th. You're listening to WNBF. Two men and two women who were walking on the shoulder of a roadway in the town of Newark Valley were struck by an SUV. Authorities said three of the pedestrians were pronounced dead at the scene. The fourth person, a 27-year-old Newark Valley woman, was seriously injured. 
She was transported by helicopter to Upstate University Hospital in Syracuse, where she was reported to be in critical condition. According to the Tioga County Sheriff's Office, the three people who died were Newark Valley residents. They were 66-year-old John Stevens, 52-year-old Doreen Wood, and 25-year-old Curtis Acker. Investigators said a 2017 Hyundai Santa Fe was traveling south on Route 38 when it hit the four pedestrians around 11.20 a.m. Wednesday. The name of the 18-year-old driver of the vehicle was not released by authorities. They said the driver remained on the scene after the crash and has cooperated with the investigation. People who witnessed the crash or anyone who may have seen the black SUV traveling in the area before it struck the pedestrians may contact the Sheriff's Office Criminal Investigations Division at 607-687-1010. The state police crash reconstruction unit and the Tioga County District Attorney's Office are assisting the sheriff's office investigators. People who own businesses in the Binghamton Plaza are worried about the fate of the Northside Shopping Center that opened nearly six decades ago. Several tenants still occupy the West State Street Plaza. The last big store at the site, Kmart, closed its doors in December 2016. The vast empty space where Kmart operated now is being used for storage. Up until a couple of weeks ago, the place was filled with tons of hemp that had been abandoned by a business that had planned to process the stuff. Mayor Jared Krams had said he wants to use eminent domain to seize the property for back taxes. Property manager John Toko said the plaza owners now have paid the back taxes. He said the buildings at the plaza are structurally sound, although some renovations are needed. Galesi Realty of New Jersey, the property owners, have come up with redevelopment plans that include the possibility of a veteran center at the site. The project would have involved a partial demolition of an existing portion of the main plaza complex. Toko said representatives of the owners and plaza tenants are planning to attend a meeting at Binghamton City Hall next Tuesday to discuss the future of the property. Small business operators in the plaza are concerned about the mayor's threat to have the place torn down. Tokos on Thursday showed a reporter several occupied and vacant spaces throughout the plaza, noting they are in good condition. He noted the two-story executive office building on the north end of the property needs a new roof, but is otherwise in good shape. Tokos said many parents use a child care center located at the plaza. He said many vendors sell items at weekend flea markets, which operate at the complex. Local politicians and state officials gathered in Binghamton's first ward on Thursday morning to announce an open house for the North of Maine Revitalization Affordable Housing Project. The open house will be held by the First Ward Action Council at 43 North Street today from noon to 5 p.m. Binghamton area residents are welcome to view the recently finished affordable housing unit. City of Binghamton Mayor Jared Cram stated a shortage of quality affordable housing across Broome County has left too many of our families living in substandard and unacceptable conditions. In Binghamton, we're choosing to lead on solving this crisis, partnering with developers and organizations like the First Ward Action Council to support the creation of affordable housing. This project builds on the revitalization of the North of Maine neighborhood and transforms several blighted, dangerous properties into safe housing for residents. The open house is part of the $8.4 million North of Maine revitalization project, which is creating 23 units of quality affordable housing across seven sites in the neighborhood north of Main Street in Binghamton. The First Ward Action Council is rehabilitating six multifamily buildings and constructing a new four-unit building on a vacant lot on Walnut Street. Jerry Willard, First Ward Action Council Executive Director, said we are pleased to show off one of our just-completed buildings with apartments conveniently close to shopping, services, and jobs in downtown Binghamton. This project is the second major investment in the Noma neighborhood in recent years by the First Ward Action Council, New York State, and the City of Binghamton. Funding for the projects was provided by New York State and the City of Binghamton. Residents who are interested in renting one of the new apartments can contact the First Ward Action Council for more information. 
On February 9th, Broome County Sheriff's Office deputies responded to a physical injury domestic dispute in the town of Union. The victim reported that her boyfriend, Brian Sanks, age 66 of the town of Union, had attempted to smother her in her sleep, threatened to shoot her with a pistol, and threatened to use a taser baton on her. Brian was taken into custody by deputies, and an extreme risk protection order was subsequently issued. Deputies served the protection order on Brian and located a loaded Smith & Wesson 22 caliber revolver, pistol ammunition, a taser baton, and drug paraphernalia at his residence. The handgun was illegally obtained and possessed by Brian. As a result of the incident and subsequent investigation, Brian Sanks was charged with criminal possession of a weapon in the third degree, criminal possession of a weapon in the fourth degree, and criminal obstruction of breathing or blood circulation. Sanks was arraigned and has remained in custody of the Broome County Sheriff's Office. He's scheduled to answer for his charges this week in Broome County Court. Several employees at a Tesla factory in Buffalo, New York, have been fired after launching union organizing efforts two days ago, according to Tesla Workers United. The group said in a statement on Thursday that workers received an email around 7 p.m. on Wednesday updating them on a new policy that prohibits them from recording workplace meetings without all participants' permission. TWU said the policy violates federal labor law and flouts New York's one-party consent law to record conversations. Pennsylvania Democratic Senator John Fetterman is in Walter Reed National Military Medical Center to seek treatment for clinical depression. His office said Thursday that Fetterman checked himself in Wednesday night. Fetterman continues to struggle with the after-effects of a stroke he suffered last May. His chief of staff, Adam Gentleson, says Fetterman has experienced depression off and on throughout his life, but it became severe in recent weeks. The 53-year-old Fetterman is in his first weeks as a U.S. Senator after winning the seat held by now-retired Republican Pat Toomey. Last week, Fetterman stayed two days in George Washington University, checking himself in after becoming lightheaded. National Weather Service forecast for downtown Binghamton. Today, rain showers before 1 p.m., then a chance of snow showers after 3 p.m. Temperatures falling to around 28 degrees by 5 p.m., chance of rain 90%. Tonight, a chance of snow showers mainly before 1 a.m., Cloudy, then gradually becoming partly cloudy with a low near 17 degrees, a 40% chance of snow. Tomorrow, sunny with a high near 41. Tomorrow night, partly cloudy, a low near 28. And Sunday, cloudy with a high near 45. Sunday night, mostly cloudy, a low near 36 degrees. You're listening to WMBF, where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WMBF, WMBF.com, and 92.1 FM. News Radio 1290, WMBF. Here we go again. WNBF with a live local talk program. The host with that devil-may-care attitude. News Radio, WNBF. Take calls 607-772-1290. Dale from Binghamton, you're on the air. Yep, I'm looking at the train right now that's pulling down the uh, the uh, tower. And then they just fixed it yesterday. Right. It's uh, 
incredible. No. They do some really good work there. Well, it's it's a wonder that that uh, humanity, you humanity. This is this is there's one more left somewhere in New York, and this is the last one. And uh, it's got caught hold of uh, a rail trail. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, the, uh, what I like about the trains now, because the the railroads don't want to spend money to hire uh, large crews like they used to have on the yeah. trains. Now the trains can run uh, more than two miles long, and that's it's that's great. Like say, long. yeah, say if you're, yeah, there's there, there, right. There are no apparently there are no limits to how long your train can be. So say if I'm Say if I'm in a hurry, say I'm trying to cover yeah. a news story on one side of Endwell, and I go uh-huh. stop at Hayes Avenue, the Hayes Avenue crossing, and then I oh, I, I get stuck that. there, stuck in the train, the hour. train, the train is going chugga, yeah. chugga, chugga, chugga. We have toxic chemicals, <laughs> well, ugga. Here we go here oh, and I, you I know, hear. sometimes you know what the worst thing is. Man. No, you know what the worst thing is. You're driving a car, in the um, what do they call it? The bell, the bell on the yeah. on the railroad crossing. Then all the red lights, then the gates, and you're the first yep. person there. So you're stuck, and you know, you just know yep. that you're stuck there for minutes. Who knows? Potentially hours. What if the oh. train stops? Sometimes they stop the train, and it's still cro- <laughs> it's blocking the railroad it's crossing. Still pulling, pulling it down right now as I speak. Right, and the guy who runs the yeah. train, he doesn't care. He gets paid regardless, but what about good people like me? By the time that the the crossing gets cleared, or I can get turned around, they've cle- they've cleaned up the they've cleaned up That's the scene. Part of our heritage. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. I mean, who do these people think they are? These these railroads running running trains with 150 or more cars, trains that go on for two or more miles. Come on, man, that can't be safe. Well, not moving two more miles. Oh. Every inch pulling it down right now. Exactly. So, anyway. But, but I, I've talked. We had a guy um, a few years ago. He runs, he drives trains, and he was a very good guest. I mean, the thing is, oh, if you... I, I if know you, train master. Yeah, if you drive trains, you do have to be very skilled because it's, uh, That's right. it's a very important job. So it's, I don't blame... It look very important to them. No, but I, I, mean, I don't blame the train. The, the train operators aren't the problem. The companies, they're trying to cut costs. Remember, I'm old enough to remember they used to have full crews on these trains, and even at the end of the train, they would yeah, put a caboose. Landing on that. Yeah, on that. I'm old enough to remember that. Remember when the put the it. train would go by the crossing and, and the guy in the caboose yeah. would wave at you? He'd be like, hi. Yeah. Hi, Bobby. Yeah. It's not like that anymore. No. They did away with that. Yeah. They, you know, that's the first thing I, I think Norfolk Southern ought to do is reinstate cabooses just for safety's sake. I don't think they cared so much about any, anything. Like well, that. now they have to care because because now they're in the harsh spotlight of the national media. Except unless the that guy from the Ohio National Guard has his national. way. Did you see the guy from the Ohio National Guard? He wanted the reporter arrested. What kind? 
What kind of a National Guard supervisor orders a reporter to stop doing a live shot? Come on, man. Oh my God. That's right. What is this? Russia? And you're just pulling it down. What is this? North Korea? What is this? Wyoming? Come on. We're going to find out what the hell it is. All right. There's a problem. All right. I appreciate your call. Hope you have a good weekend. You too. 1117. This is America. Reporters are allowed to report. Train engineers are allowed to engine. Or whatever they do. Drive the train. Same with pilots. Fly the plane. That's all you do is say, like, most jobs have one key thing. You're a pilot, fly the plane. You're an engineer, drive the train. You're a talk show host, run the best darn show you can. 607-772-1290. This is Bob Joseph on a Friday morning. You're listening to WNBF 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, streaming at WNBF.com. Parts recording? He was in a bind because he was way behind and he was willing to make a deal. When he came across this young man sewing on a fiddle and playing it hot, and the devil jumped up on a hickory stump and said, Boy, let me tell you what. I guess you didn't know it, but I'm a fiddle player too. And if you'd care to take a dare, I'll make a bet with you. Now you play pretty good fiddle, boy, but give the devil his due. I bet a fiddle of gold against your soul because I think I'm better than you. The boy said, my name's Johnny, and it might be a sin, but I'll take your bet you're going to regret because I'm the best as ever been. Johnny, rise up your bow and play your fiddle hard because hell's broke loose in Georgia and the devil deals the cards. And if you win, you get this shiny fiddle made of gold. But if you lose, the devil gets your soul. Bob went down to Georgia. 1120 at WNBF. Mary from Binghamton. Good morning. You're on the air. With you before several times. I live over in country town, but that's another problem. Um, my sister, who is 82 years old, is without fuel and without money to buy the fuel. And we have been to every single place to, for her to get some fuel, and nobody will give her any fuel. Deep won't, welfare won't, nobody won't. All we need is if somebody would have a gas can. And so we could fill it if they could help us out so we could just put a can of fuel in her, um, you know, in her uh, propane place. You know, she lives up in uh, Castle Creek. And we just, she, she's going to freeze tomorrow morning because it's going to be 16 degrees in her house. She lives in a trailer. Do you know any resources that we could call, Bob? Uh, what I would do is call 211. 211 that's uh that's call for help 211 and explain the situation and uh, the people at Broome County United Way may be able to find an agency that would assist okay because we've tried welfare we've tried we have tried 211 Catholic charities we'll try it again 
keep trying it until they find help because that's what they're there for. They're supposed to find help for people in cases like this. So maybe maybe the first person wasn't familiar with how to get help. Maybe the next person who answers will be able to provide the assistance, okay? Okay. Thanks, Bob. Okay, thank you, Mary. And one of these days, I'm going to pop back over there, so keep keep an eye out because I, I need to talk with some people over, over at Country Town, okay? Yes, it's bad over here. I know. I know. Hang in there. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Bye. It's 1122 WNBF. I'm a reporter. Yes, for three hours every morning, contractually, I'm obligated to be here in the studio. Before 9 o'clock and afternoon, who knows where I'll be. I might show up at your neighborhood. If you live at Country Town, now officially Town and Country Apartments, if you live anywhere, Vestal, Owego, Appalachian, Endwell, Whitney Point, Maine, Shenango Bridge, Shenango Forks, Shenango Valley, Shenango Shores, wherever. You watch out because I might show up because I'm a reporter and I don't like staying in the newsroom. I need to get out and talk with people and ask a few questions. By the way, if you have news tips, send them to Bob at WNBF.com. That way I can put put together an agenda because I'm already, I'm already looking forward to next week. I've already got four stories planned out for next week, but I need more. So you can help me, Bob, at WNBF.com. Hi, WNBF. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Yes, good morning. Bob, it's Vinny from Binghamton. Hey. And I know these last couple of times I've been uh, calling in, I've basically talked about kids and school and, you know, the suicides and, and uh, bring undisciplined kids. I just wanted to tell you a quick story about uh, my parents and bringing us up, and maybe some of the listeners can relate. But uh, my older brother, as a matter of fact, I just got off the phone because I wanted some clarity of what happened to him, <clears throat> because I know he had gotten into two fights in school. And one was, <clears throat> there was this kid picking on him. He was about ninth, 10th grade. And he kept picking on him, harassing him, bullying him like you wouldn't believe. You know, he'd be in class and he'd yell out in study hall about my brother and say all these nasty, crappy things to him. And my parents went in to the school, and this is what they did. They said, listen, this young man is doing this to my, my son. This is Now, we raised him not to fight. But I'm telling you, you need to do something about this. Take care of this kid, discipline. I hear he's about this and that and this and that. So what happened is um, this kid in the lunchroom finally got up to my brother, and uh, he had a blueberry pie, little, those little blueberry pies, and he takes his finger and sticks it right in the blueberry pie. He goes, this is you. This is your family. Well, Bob, that was it. My brother went after him, tore him up. He knocked him. He went into a history classroom, <laughs> tore a bulb. So he was on top of him, this and this and this and that. I mean, he tore him up, grabbed him, because my brother was in sports, grabbed him, turned him upside down, threw him in a garbage can. Principal comes. They come running. Off. They grab my brother. They take him to the office. Well, meanwhile, my mother is on her way down, and the principal was shaking his finger. And my brother's face, my mother came in there. She goes, you get your finger out of his face. She goes, we told you. We told you. We told you. We told you. My kid has never been in any fights in the school system. But we told you about this guy, and he didn't do anything. And we told you this is what's going to happen. Because we were always taught to be good with people. But if they put their hands on you, you got to do something. And there's no such thing as a fair fight. So uh, once in a while, you have to take your kids 
and let them understand that life is not free. It's not a free. You're going to get this. You're going to get these things, and this is how you're going to handle it. So I don't know if that would help with these young kids and getting beat up. Maybe this is something new, but you've got to teach your kids a lot of times how to protect. Listen to what I'm saying, how to protect themselves. I will take the school. I'm not calling in. We went in. You go into the school. You tell them what's going on and warn them. If this keeps up, it's on you because I told you about this person. I don't know what your policies are, but you better change them quick. And that's another way to protect your kids. Well, and and parents really, really do need to take um, action at the appropriate time. Try to be proactive. Uh, Find out from your kids all the time what's really going on. Make sure that you have made them comfortable to tell you not just good things, but tell you when bad things are happening so the appropriate action can be taken to nip things in the bud. Because unfortunately, and there are stories, you know, it's amazing how many stories around here don't get told, um, in part because there just aren't enough reporters around here, in part because the powers that be are, are very good at keeping the lid on. You know, secrets, secrets are dangerous, but uh, government officials and school officials enjoy their secrets, and, you know, they've become quite adept. They ought to, they ought to give courses in, in secrecy. They could be put on by, by um, local government officials and law enforcement and hospital administrators and school administrators because a lot of them, not all of them, but a lot of them are exceedingly good at keeping secrets. I mean, if, if that is the primary job responsibility for some of these people, they're doing an excellent job at keeping, well, but- keeping bad news out of the papers. Well, it's true, Bob, and that's why I'm saying go in. Don't call. You've got to go in and meet with these people. No, that's the true. Call, calls is, calls, and emails are too easy to yep. ignore. Yep. Do not be intimidated. I've talked to a lot of young parents. They're intimidated on going in. Oh, they're, they're teachers, and I really don't know what to say. And it's no, 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 no. This is your child. This is only 12 years they're going to be here. Plus kindergarten, you know. Yeah, and and so those those twelve years actually go by quickly, and every minute in in the school environment, in the classroom, and in other parts of of the on school property, every aspect, cafeteria, playground, and so on, every aspect is very important. It doesn't last that long in someone's life, but it is crucial. That's why parents need to be uh, very proactive and and yeah. help. You know the yep. the the word that is sometimes overused in these situations but it it actually should apply everybody should be partners because sometimes when when they put out their news releases sometimes Uh they refer to everyone as a partner which would be nice if it's always true say if a school district say binghamton city school district if they send out a news release to news organizations, they say are media partners, which I always find laughable because they don't treat us as partners. They don't come on the program. So, you know, using that sort of almost 1984 language, Orwellian language, to um, uh, describe the media as somehow their partners, no. When, When they have good news that they want out, self-serving the superintendent is going to have a yoga session i mean what kind of a story is that the superintendent 
can have a yoga session, but the superintendent also should deal head on with some very serious challenges with her media partners, right? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, one more thing too, Bob, you know, a lot of times I think some of these parents would be very surprised by these schools. If you take the time to go in, talk to them about your, your, your kid, and this is a good kid, they, you might even get one of these surprises. Well, thank you, Mr. and Mrs. So-and-so for coming in. I wish more parents were like you guys. And by the way, I've talked with teachers and administrators who really do want more parental involvement. They really do want that. And even if the topic at hand, when you go to visit a school administrator or a teacher about an issue that needs to be addressed properly, even if it's not pleasant at first, in the end, I think the teachers and administrators ultimately will be happy that you're an involved parent because they do want that. They really do. It's 1130. Bob Joseph coming up. We'll be talking with Maine Edwell School Superintendent Jason Van Fossen live. This is WNBF. Overhead. WNBF Live with Bob Joseph on a Friday morning. Back to the phones we go. Good morning, you're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Oh, hi, uh, this is Ron. I'm calling from Susquehanna County. Good morning, you're on WNBF. What's on your mind? Well, I have listened to you for a long time. It's the first time I've called in. i got a question for you. Uh, I'm assuming that you... Uh, uh, have a uh, uh, financial account, uh, checking account, uh, savings account, and such. Um, and uh, I, I heard you making some comments, and I and I, I think that um, I think it's important to take uh, issues of election and identify uh, the value of your vote. And so I think the best example that I have would be that if you were looking through your accounts and you had questions about the validity of the numbers, you would probably fight that. You'd go back and you'd say, I want proof. Uh, And until you got your proof, you would continue to fight. What I would like to encourage people and listeners to understand is if you have questions about the integrity of an election, the elected officials have an obligation to prove that your vote really does count. And what I would also like people to understand is that um, if you can't count on your vote, then your financial investments, all the things that you've saved, all the things that you have done, can be taken away from you in a, in a very short period of time. So until you treat your vote equal to 
your very important financial account, then you are uh, walking on thin ice, I guess is what I would say. All right. I think people should always, always ask questions and demand answers. Always. Certainly. Ask questions, Certainly. demand and answers, and continually be skeptical. Exactly. So you, you, you make comments about the reporters out here with this, uh, with this train derailment, and you make comments about you being out on the street and wanting to talk to people. I think that you're in a very influential position, and I would, I, I, I would encourage you to be very careful when you say that elections are held and they and those they're not fraudulent there are many many questions that went unanswered uh and i in my lifetime 63 years old i never lost sleep over an election i figured both parties they they think differently different foundation but they both have this country's best interest in mind and and there are so many things going on right now that should should alarm people, and so you, you we're to a point we're fractured as a, as a, as a country, I believe, and I think it's very very dangerous right now. Uh, I I think that there are too many questions related to the election, and when people you know when people say that they're no longer going to go and vote because it doesn't matter. I think we've lost what this country is all about. And I think that risk is right there right now. Well, I, I, I always find it disappointing when when people have, have lost faith in our system. And I, I know our system is imperfect because it was developed right. and it's operated by humans. So inevitably, it uh, is never going to be without without some problems but the most important thing in my mind even even when you have serious doubts about the outcome of an election do not stop voting you know in fact that's if you're upset with the way a certain election ultimately was called that means your opponents have won if they've dissuaded you from ever voting again so don't don't well, again, uh, opt out Right, and, and, and I, I, I believe that. Again, I would like to encourage you to be very careful, though, about, about how you take a stand, because I, you know, I'm not going to take the time here to, to throw out uh, questions to you about your knowledge on you know, the integrity of the election. I just would like to make sure that, that I say to you that you need to be very, very careful when you take the stand that you take because you are a very influential person in the southern tier and, and northern tier of Pennsylvania. You know, people are listening to you. And I, I think that there are enough questions out there that are unanswered that people are unwilling to answer. Uh, it's, it's, it's a very risky thing to take a stand uh, and say that there was nothing wrong. And just like I said about your bank account, if you felt in your bank account that there, that you, an injustice was being done to you, you would never give up. And yet you look back right now and you say, it's behind us, let's move forward. No, it's, it's really not behind us. And if we don't clean this pattern up, uh, mail-in ballot, there, you know, 200 and, 200 and what, 30,000 unverified mail-in ballots were sent out in the state of Pennsylvania. And nobody is doing any, nobody's, nobody's looking into it, nobody cares. All well, right. people still do care, and some people are still looking into it. I do say right now, urgently, people also 
should be focusing on the 2024 election. I, I really think, you know, to continue, here we are. And I know this is exactly what you don't want to hear. But look, a new election is coming up, a new campaign. And everybody, including those who didn't like the way the last election went, should be focusing on making the 2024 election as close to perfect as possible. Ron, I appreciate your call. Thank you very much for uh, your sharing your thoughts on this Friday morning. This is Bob Joseph coming up. We'll be speaking live with the superintendent of the Maine Endwell School Districts because people are raising questions about after-school Satan Club at Homer Brink Elementary School in Endwell. So stay tuned. Bob Joseph with you on News Radio WNBF. News Radio 1290 WNBF. Bob Joseph. Nights in white satin. Never reaching the end Letters I've written Never meaning to send 1147 with Bob Joseph. Jesse and Owego, you're on the air. You gotta get back in to spinning some records, man. You are totally on a roll. <laughs> it's no, totally. no off position on the genius switch. <laughs> I see that. Oh, my gosh. What an interesting day, especially throughout this week. And uh, I'm waiting for the Edwell guy to show up and hear his side of the story. I think it's a very interesting discussion, whether you agree, disagree, whatever. I think it's uh, it's just interesting times that we're living in. And I think this is going to be good. And I hope more callers call in and voice their opinions. Yeah, well, stay tuned. We're hoping to have Jason Van Fossen on momentarily. We're going to try to squeeze him in before we wrap up the proceedings for the week right here live with Bob Joseph on News Radio, WNBF and WNBF.com. If you. Eleven fifty one at News Radio WNBF and WNBF.com. I'm Bob Joseph, joined now by Maine Endwell School Superintendent Jason Van Fossen. And Superintendent Van Fossen, thanks for being with us on WNBF. Tell us uh, uh, briefly, we only have a few minutes, but tell us briefly about uh, the Satanic Temple and the after-school Satan Club that is planning to hold some meetings in March, April, and May at Homer Brink School in Endwell. Good, good morning, Bob. Thank you again for having me. Um, unfortunately, uh, in November, we were notified that this uh, particular group uh, wanted to use or requested the use of our facilities. And I say unfortunately because uh, despite uh, what their uh, organizational principles are and what they plan on providing, uh, anyone that uses the word satanic uh, in their name is obviously going to provoke people uh, in a very negative way. And so 
We've known since November. We've worked through our process to determine whether or not we should uh, allow this organization to use our facilities. And at the end of the day, um, the decision was that if you're going to exclude one, you have to exclude all. And uh, we were not comfortable doing that. And so uh, we've got years and years of organizations and hundreds of students and families that annually use our facilities. And so to simply uh, exclude all because of one small uh, organization that, by the way, may or may not exist if parents uh, and students don't um, sign up and, and are given permission, uh, we didn't feel that was the right uh, decision to make. And so, unfortunately, we have to deal with the backlash of, of um, the reaction to uh, the information that was sent out. Uh, but we do believe if people will read uh, the explanation and, the, and the, the logic behind the decision, that they'll at least uh, be sensitive and understanding of why we came to the, the decision we did. And tell me about the reaction. Apparently these flyers went home with children at Homer Brink yesterday afternoon. How soon did you start receiving reaction? So the flyers, like any other organization, they submit flyers to our buildings, and we uh, routinely put them in backpacks that go home. This group, uh, you know, again, just like any other group, we can't disclude, we can't say uh, we can let one go through but not the other. So they had their flyer. The flyers went home yesterday, um, and their reaction was swift um, and uh, expected. So it was predictable. Uh, we did have information ready uh, to share. We did share that yesterday with all of uh, Homer Brink and all of the district uh, because we recognized that there was going to be a, a swift and, and really, to some degree, negative reaction. As your message to parents and others in the district says, underlined and uh, in bold print, the Maine Endwell School District does not endorse these clubs. That is the, the final part of the message that, that was conveyed to people who are concerned about this. And we cannot say that strongly enough. Uh, organizations have, the uh, per our policy, community organizations have the right to request use of our facilities. Um, none of those, regardless if it's Little Leagues or community organizations or the ASFC, uh, they are not sponsored or endorsed by the school district. Um, and in particular, after this situation, we want to make that clear um, because we understand that in this particular case, this is an organization that has been following the Good News Club. The Good News Club is an organization that also reached out last year and wanted to use our facilities. And so when you look at the much the bigger picture, uh, unfortunately, we're a pawn right now on a more uh, national uh, chessboard between these two organizations. And that's notable because other school districts elsewhere in the United States have been dealing with this same issue. And, and so I'm, I'm sure you've done your research, as have I, and I'm sure some of our other listeners have, have seen some of the news coverage elsewhere. Yeah, unfortunately. And this is not a, a position that the Maine Enwell Central School District wants to be in. We didn't ask for it. We didn't uh, promote it. Um, but we have a policy, and we made the decision that um, saying no and being sued and likely losing um, was not in the best interest of the district. On the flip side, um, we have so many other uh, groups and organizations that use our facility to exclude all uh, didn't make sense either. And so uh, unfortunately, Bob, it is a truly lose-lose situation. And, uh, you know, our hope is that by keeping our buildings and facilities available for all, 
um, that at the end of the day, that's what is in the best interest of kids and our families. And this, this uh, group, uh, whether or not it exists uh, after the first couple of weeks, uh, because obviously parents have to sign off and give permission, um, it could be a very small blip uh, in history of, of our district. And so we didn't want to make a, a very significant decision on a potentially very small, uh, inconsequential moment in time. So according to the note, they're intending to hold 10 of these sessions at Homer Brink starting about a month from now on March 16th. And, and yes, so when they asked for, like any group, any group will come in and ask for specific dates and times, and they want to get on the calendar, and so that's a normal uh, request. Um, however, if no one signs up and there's no uh, demand, then... Um, you know, logically, we would uh, no longer have the need to have that organization in our building. So as you approach March 16th, and again at this point, who knows whether zero children will receive permission from their parents or guardians or 10 children will receive the permission and, and try to attend the session that's scheduled for March 16th. As far as for planning purposes, will the school district treat this gathering at the gym similar to any other after-school gathering that takes place in a school building? Oh, 100 well, percent. Obviously, uh, the, you know, all is all, and we have to treat each group uh, the way we would uh, any other. So um, there will be no different uh, treatment of this organization or group. Um, there will be some education. Uh, we are going to do some education of our community, uh, like we've put out in our letter, just so that folks understand the process that we went through. Um, but as for that group, uh, that group is its own organization with its own community uh, leader. Um, questions regarding the club will be directed through the information that was provided on, on the flyer. The, um, as for how the school district treats that club, they'll treat it like any other club that, that we have. And we have numerous clubs in all four buildings across the district that uh, annually uh, are in our building. So that will be no no different and no issue. It's just a matter of whether or not there is uh, demand for, um, you know, students and, and parents wanting to take advantage of that, that club. Are there any other requests before the Maine Endwell School District now from what you regard as potentially controversial organizations? No, not that uh, I'm aware of. With all this coverage, and plus your conversation and our conversation on this program, not just today, but going forward, I'm sure in the days ahead, you think ultimately then more people will understand exactly what's going on here and what may have been a very angry or unhappy or disgusted reaction that, that people will have a better appreciation and maybe cooler heads will prevail? I hope so. I, I you know, I, at the end of the day, it, and it's divisive, and um, the provocative nature of of how this group is marketing itself, regardless, uh, yeah, it's it's bound to create the um, the emotions that it has. But I hope that people will understand that ultimately, you know, the district was put in a very, um, I'd say, poor position to have to balance. Um, all the needs of the community uh, and not putting ourselves in a situation where we would be ripe for a lawsuit. But at the end of the day, um, you know, we're looking out for the best interest of the community and our students and staff. And so I hope folks will just take the time to, to realize that it was not a knee-jerk reaction. It was a very thoughtful and painful, to some degree, decision. 
And I would say look across the nation and how this has played out in multiple states in this country. This is a much bigger uh, chessboard than just our tiny little Broome County community uh, in uh, New York State. So, you know, what we don't want to do is to become a bigger um, story uh, across the country. Uh, we want to simply see how this goes. And again, if no one signs up and there's no demand for this club, then our thought would be that uh, eventually it will go away and there won't be desire for it. Do you think the bottom line is this is just a pretty savvy marketing gimmick? I think there is definitely some marketing um, thought that went into this, absolutely 100%, especially in light of uh, the competitor, which is the Good News Club. What's interesting, have you faced a, a situation like this previously in your years as an administrator? Unfortunately, I wish I could say yes and that I had some background to work off of, but no, uh, I have not. And, um, you know, the divisiveness of the country uh, right now plays into this situation. So, unfortunately, I wish I, I did not have to deal with this now, but uh, no, this is new. Unfortunately, it's new. Well, a lot of challenges that school superintendents face that uh, are not necessarily pleasant. Graduations might be nice, but there are other things that happen before you reach graduation day. Yeah, I'm looking forward to graduation, Bob. I'll be honest with you. Well, I'm looking forward to speaking with you possibly again in the, um, the coming weeks as this story may, uh, may evolve, and we'll see where it goes. I appreciate your time today. Absolutely, and thank you so much for having me on. It's Maine Denwell School Superintendent Jason Van Fossen live, and of course we'll continue to cover the reaction to this going forward, and uh, we'll have more of your views coming up next week right here on News Radio. Thank you so much for listening to our program this week. Enjoy your weekend, and be sure to return Monday morning. I'm Bob Joseph on WNBF. Binghamton. At Staples, you can count on every project being print perfect, guaranteed. I need presentations and brochures printed, and they have to be perfect. Your bounded presentations, brochures with the finest folds, and more will be done right every time. That's our print big promise. Now at Staples, get $10 off your document printing and marketing materials order of $50 or more. Present back by a store bonus. Try Staples and see the difference. Ends 225. Rewards members only. Bonus must be redeemed in store. See staples.com slash stores slash print big for details. God, I'm so stressed. It's a brand new year and our business is busier than ever. Uma. What is that? Meditation? I'm recommending the Uma cloud phone system with auto attendant and more than 35 features. Uma? Yep. Switching to Uma is a cinch.